Hello, and welcome to another episode of a German and an Aussie review a movie. And today we'll be reviewing the not-so-recent release of Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible installment. What's it called again, Gregor? Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. But we can also maybe just call it Mission Impossible 7. Now, I have to say, straight up front, I went to the movie theater to see this one, and I thought it was a great, rollicking good film. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I'm relieved. It's about time we're at least a little bit on the same uh, side with the movie. After the recent different opinions, I was already scared you come out with this is the worst piece of shit I've seen in a long time. But I really uh, liked it as well. Yes, I thought it was very entertaining. But I just have to ask, Greg, on a completely different note, in Germany, or well, in Spain or Germany, or Denmark, wherever you are, is there a big thing about the Women's World Cup? That's a smooth change of topic, but it's an interesting topic because you definitely get the news that there's a huge hype in Australia, which is, uh, I think, very nice as the host country. Isn't it even running at the time we're recording our podcast? Or it should start any minute, right? See, because we're Australians, if it doesn't involve the Australian team, we're not interested generally. So. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, just a quick rundown. We have a, a women's soccer team called the Matildas, and they really did had no, more or less no profile. And then the Women's World Cup came along and they actually started going up the ladder. I cannot tell you the mania was huge about that. And then, of course, it came down to the deciding game where they had to play England and they lost. Honestly, people were practically devastated. I thought it was a bit over the top. Like my star, you know, at work, people were talking about it and saying how awesome it was and everything like that. And then my theory on it was, well, they only like them because they're winning. <laughs> as soon as they stop winning, the interest drops off pretty heavily. And it did. But people were like genuinely really upset about it and talking about all the good things our team did and the legacy of the Matildas and, and all those things are true. But I don't know. I'm one of those people when it comes to sporting matches, it's like a job interview. You either got the job or you didn't. You know what I mean? There's no sort of, hey, great to hear you almost got that job. So I just wondered if it was crazy in, you know, Europe. It didn't, I don't think it would be, but it was, I can't tell you the media hype and just the general hype in the street. That was going on. I mean, I was interested, but I certainly didn't think it was like an earth-shattering event. Well, I can hear your sport expertise coming through here, comparing it to a job interview. <laughs> I, I'm not sure you can uh, copy that one one to one. I would say reaching the semifinals is still pretty much of an achievement. And I don't know, did no, they won? To be honest, it wasn't such a huge thing here, but uh, Denmark made it to the quarterfinals and was beaten by Australia, actually. So there was uh, some kind of involvement here and my flatmate uh, slash girlfriend, uh, she apparently doesn't like it when I call her just flatmate, is from Spain and uh, Spain is playing England in the final in 30 minutes, actually. So wow. we better wrap this up quickly. Back to Mission Impossible. We'll just start off with Gregor giving a brief synopsis. And it's a pretty quick synopsis, too, I'd imagine, for a show like this. Okay, while well, we do intermissions here, intermissions here before, I wanted to bring up one thing more. It's kind of mm -hmm. funny that we talk about Mission Impossible and no Barbenheimer movie. So sorry, guys, you may have to wait a little bit for that if you were expecting that, because... Uh, Jared, neither Barbie nor Oppenheimer was really tickling your senses. I'm not interested in either. From a design point of view, I'd like to see the Barbie movie. But I just thought the way so, yeah. Um, but Oppenheimer doesn't really hold any interest for me as well. Have you seen Barbie? No, I've only seen Barbie, but uh, there are I know quite a few people who have seen both, and it's it's crazy. Like uh, 
in Germany, the the COVID numbers are increasing, increasing again, and they even put it into a uh, relation with uh, the Barbenheimer events that so many people went to the cinema, oh. and that helped uh, <laughs> helped uh, pushing the COVID numbers. I thought if the Germans went to see the Barbie movie, they'd be really disappointed. No, where, where's the punchline? Why? No, because wouldn't they be expecting a movie about German celebrity Klaus Barbie? <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna leave that there. Uh, but there, uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised uh, you didn't bring up an Oppenheimer joke with the Germans. But you really managed to bring Second World War into the Barbie movie. So uh, <laughs> kudos to that. <laughs> One of my many talents. Well, um, I saw Barbie and we're going to talk about it in the future when it's available in home cinema. Interesting movie. I thought it would be fun. We, we should talk about it. Uh, it would be fun to talk about sometime, especially we as man expertise, mansplaining um, a feminist movie that would be right in the alley of the movie. Well, what we might do next time, I might get you to talk about it and I'll ask questions and, and engage. That's what we could do. So back to Mission Impossible. Uh, what was your overall impression? So you liked it too? Full disclosure, I've seen the movie already, I guess about three weeks ago, when it was still um, supposed to be a huge box office hit, but then Barbenheimer happened. And I had to go back and recall details of the movie, but what I still remembered is that I had a damn good time in the cinema with my girlfriend and another friend who's never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. And even he was like, wow, that's just... a." Uh, Tom Cruise is crazy and uh, it's a damn entertaining movie. I'm a bit of a Mission Impossible promoter in my in my social circle. These movies are consistently entertaining and mostly even good movies. They make consistently a lot of money, maybe not as crazy as Barbie or Top Gun with like a billion dollars or more, but really good uh, box office results. And they just hit out one after another. I think it's, this, yeah, it's the seventh movie now. But the crazy thing is, I feel like no one in my social circle watches them. In your social circle, do they watch like Jack Reacher or any of those? Because they're similar movies. No, I think what's a bit actually happening, especially in Europe, you meet people who are like, Tom Cruise is too crazy for me with the whole Scientology stuff. And I, I don't want to watch a Tom Cruise movie. There are legitimately quite some people who have that attitude. What's your experience? Did you watch any of the other Mission Impossible movies in cinema, for example? I watched the first two because there was a point when the, the cost to go to a movie in Sydney sort of jumped from about 10 or $11 to like 20 And it was really hard to get people to go with you because, you know, you'd say, do you want to get the movies? And they go, no, it's too much. So there was a few years there where I didn't really go and see a movie because no one wanted to see one. And it's always nicer to go and see a movie with someone rather than sit in the cinema by yourself. I was a bit umming and ahhing about this one. I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to see this. But once I got in there, it's a real ride. Maybe some of the action sequences could have been cut down a little. But still, that's a pretty minor complaint. And I think these movies uh, are supposed to be watched in the cinema. I, I think the experience oh. is much better. The, funny that you say that with the action scenes. I would have argued they could cut down basically all of the dialogue scenes because maybe let's uh, jump a little bit into the story of the movies. Give us a rundown, Gregor. Once again, Mission Impossible, the main character is Ethan Hunt, played by the immortal Tom Cruise. He kind of works in a special spy agency, which works outside of any supervision on any official channels. And he is more or less stable core team around him. I think the only guy still there from the first movie is Wink James. People may know him from Pulp Fiction, for example, as the uh, mafia boss. Otherwise, in the team is Simon Peck, for example, as like the comedic hacker sidekick. Every mission, they try to save the world, la-di-da, no one really cares. 
this time it's they fight against, I guess, an old nemesis, Ethan Hunt, who kind of gets shoehorned in. The bigger baddie in the background, I guess, is very topical. It's a little spoiler, but it's AI. So uh, that's interesting. And they basically fight against this AI and, and the people it's controlling. And for that, they go from Rome to Venice to Austria to the desert. Yeah, a real action-filled spy movie. Though I have to say, every movie I catch myself caring less and less about any of the dialogue. And it feels like uh, more and more just uh, unnecessary filling for the movie. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about that? Uh, no, I thought they needed the dialogue because they have to have the downside, the down parts of the movie so you can recover and get ready for the next action scene. And also to explain it, because there was a few kind of bits I was like what how come the AI knows everything but doesn't know that she's pickpocketed the key you know what I mean there was a few moments I was like how is that possible you know like having said that uh, the one thing I have noticed in all these action movies it sort of seems compulsory to have a desert shootout scene (laughs) I know what's going on but like they're in every single thrillery born identity Jack Reachery type film even the Indiana Jones even that of course has you know a desert scene but wait 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 there's actually one person who saw the new Indiana Jones you didn't tell me that quick inter intermezzo what did you think what I didn't like about it is he's not made into the hero they're obviously setting it up for Phoebe Waller-Smith or whatever her name is to take over the role and it's really obvious I don't mind if you know because he's well 80 now so they can't he can't do it anymore but I just felt they could have given him a more dignified role I mean imagine he took the role and got paid a zillion dollars to do it and it has really terrible CGI really Mm. terrible they have a section at the beginning where it's like a retrospective bit and he's supposed to be about 38 and they do a lot of facial CGI which is really believable but they don't do it on his physique so he sort of moves and has a physique he'll be shuffling along like an old man and then he'll suddenly jump to the left and roll under and you can tell that's the stuntman like for a movie that costs like you know 350 million dollars or something like mission impossible i have to say their cgi was flawless there's not even one bit that i can remember i thought gee that looked really bad like it looked real all the time there will probably not be a Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Jana Jones because it was such a uh, box office dud. That's why I was joking that you are the one who's actually seen it. Thanks, oh, thanks for it. the quick summary. I agree with you uh, coming back to Mission Impossible that, of course, it, some dialogue, some explaining is necessary. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the scenes where they are, for example, at this carnival masquerade in Venice and where all this double crossing is happen, happening. And I really like a lot of the side characters. It's really fun and, and not taking itself too serious. There are just some scenes where it's just between the team when they are in that hideout. It's like this... I don't know. It's I can't take Tom Cruise too serious in these scenes anymore. You know what I mean? It's like I just always see Tom Cruise and in the action scenes, it's amazing. And when it's like fun and wild and everything, but when they have this dialogue, like I'm just going to serve myself this time and da, da, da. welcome to the team. You are one of us now. We'll always protect you. They could have cut a lot of that out for me. And then Wing James, why the hell is he still in? They even uh, they even kind of put him into the back office halfway in the movie. <laughs> I know, like I kept thinking he was just kind of like, because they had all this really snappy stuff like, what's going on? You do it. And then he'd be like, yes, well, anyway, um, you know, <laughs> like completely out of sync with the rest of the actors. Uh, it was almost like they filmed his scene separately, I thought at times, and just put and, them in. And then it's like, Ethan, I have to go into a hideout now. The AI can't fight me. It's like, 
okay, dude, just announce officially that they want to cut you out of the movie and you're kind of only in it as like a friend service from Tom Cruise because you've been in the first one. I also thought, who's the English guy that played the other? Simon Peck. Simon Peck. I thought he was really underused too. They didn't seem to know what to do with him. It's a bit sad because I really like the actor and I'm always happy to see him in something. I mean, you've probably seen Shaun of the Dead. I agree with you. They could have used him a little bit more this time. But the movie is full of characters, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I really, there's a lot of fun side characters. There's the White Widow, played by Vanessa Kirby. I really liked her. The FBI agent, Briggs, played by Shaw Wigan, always following Tom Cruise, always being too late. I really liked his character as well. So, I loved uh, the airport scene where it kept moving. It was like a giant airport. So you'd basically, there's a scene at the beginning where some spoilers here, possibly. Um, where basically Tom Cruise is going through an airport and being followed by the baddies, but then there's a woman who's double-crossing him and pickpocketing, and they kept moving around and, you know, double-crossing each other. And it was fantastic. It was a re- But it was really believable. Like, you didn't for a second. The only thing I would say is all of a sudden Tom Cruise became a, a pickpocket, which I couldn't quite work out. You know, like He's good at everything, Jared. Becoming a crack pickpocket, which I'd never noticed in the first couple. But anyway... Yeah, I love that scene as well. That's Mission Impossible at its best. A lot of double crossing. Although there is high stakes, it never feels like they are taking it too serious, which is refreshing. And I think maybe a refreshing difference to the James Bond movies, which recently kind of gotten more and more heavy and then there's a family involved. And and for me, the, the Mission Impossible movies are the best when they keep that family stuff out of the window. Like, I don't know if you remember Mission Impossible 3, but it's like the J.J. Abrams one and Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a great villain. But in this one, Tom Cruise is kind of retired and lives a happy life with his wife. And then they kidnap his wife and it gets all suddenly super heavy and depressing. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what these movies are supposed to be. They leave the family out of the window, please. Who was the female pickpocket in this? What was who? Ah, uh, yeah, uh, Haley Atwell. I think she plays like in the Captain America movies. I I, I did not really know her from much, but uh, <laughs> except that she has a very beautiful screen appearance and she played uh, very well off Tom Cruise. I found, of course, there's yeah, no. Yeah, they had loads of chemistry, like loads. I yeah, think that's for... one of the big strengths of this film is there's chemistry between a lot of different people, between the baddies, yeah. between the White Widow. Even she had a bit of, you know, something. She wasn't just this horrible, you know, she was obviously a bit of a killing machine, but she still had chemistry with the people on screen. Yeah, yeah, really. You could feel like, you know, sometimes it just transmits when people are having fun shooting a movie. And I found yeah. in this movie you could feel it. Oh, for sure. I thought it, it has a lot going for it. Um, although I've got to say, there wasn't many people in the cinema. There was only about five people in there when I went and saw it. But I think it's been around for a while and Barbie's in the same complex. And It's interesting. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know when people love when uh, people in a podcast reference other podcasts, but I heard a podcast about it that apparently it was quite a miscalculation by Paramount Pictures to to set up Mission Impossible one week before the Oppenheimer and Barbie coming out. I think no one expected that to be such a huge success. And in the end, uh, what it led to is Mission Impossible losing a lot of viewers in the long haul. So it only, quote unquote, made 520 million so far, which is a lot. But I think the movie cost over 250 million. So I hope they are more lucky with the second part of this one which comes out summer next year or in Australia winter. I think they should be because it's good movies and it's just a very bad 
marketing mm -hmm. timing or organization to bring it out with the other two movies. I've got to say, I'm not a fan of, you know, movies that are like two, in, like episodic. I'm not a big fan. And the next one comes out a year later. Yeah, it was quite long. As I said, it was nearly, it was two hours and 45 minutes, I think. And that's a long movie, but I did think it was entertaining. So I did enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I think it didn't feel forced that they cut it into two episodes or they add on a huge cliffhanger. I didn't feel that. So I, I'll forgive that. And also it was announced right away that it's going to be two parts. So, yeah, let's let's see what, what comes out next time. Um, I did notice that the baddies this time were like the Brits and the Russians. I miss the days when the Germans were the baddies. Actually, in German films, who were the baddies? You've just seen Indiana Jones, so I hope uh, there are some German baddies in there. There are, but it's a bit, it's a bit low key. You can't go too hard on the nations these days. You know, like. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, that's kind of the Second World War movie time and then a bit post Second World War where there were some good Bond villains with a German touch. Gerd Fröbe as Goldfinger. He was a German actor, actually. I remember my grandparents were really proud that we had like, oh, a German actor playing the James Bond villain. Australians are never cast as the villain, ever. Like, they never go, there's an evil, you know, evil overlord of the world, and he's based in Sydney. <laughs> like, they just never do. Like, Australians are always cast as a lovable fuckwit. <laughs> actually, when I was in Sydney, I saw Mission Impossible um, 2. And it's basically completely shot in and around Sydney, which is which is really great because there's a lot of real location footage, for example, around the uh, Randwick horse race course, yeah, which we lived not too far away from huh? in our old home. And they also did a lot of filming in Mountain Place at one stage as well. It's in the CBD, but there was like a car scene. I don't think it was used or something, but there was a lot of filming because a few of my friends were extras in it. As always, I know some people that worked on that film and said Tom was very nice and, you know, was very family orientated and very polite. Had no trouble with him. Always our uh, gossip columnist, uh, Geraldo. The only thing now if I thought about if I'm uh, digging a bit deep and uh, thinking of something I didn't like about the movie, there's not much. Though I felt like the previous one, I personally liked even a bit more. Have you seen uh, Mission Impossible 6 Fallout? Give that a watch. And I feel like a lot of the action set pieces there are kind of similar. So instead of a car race in Rome, it's a motorcycle race in Paris. It's still super entertaining uh, to watch. But um, also if people haven't seen any of the recent Mission Impossibles, I would almost recommend a little bit more Fallout Mission Impossible 6. That is peak Tom Cruise trying to kill himself. But let's wait for next year. He might top it. Well, I was reading, good old Tom is 61. 61, and he can still run fast. <laughs> I think there might be a little bit of digital enhancement on the speed of that film. But I was just impressed that he runs like a young person. Yeah, it's always fun to see Tom Cruise running. I think it's a, it's quite a meme. What do you think about Tom Cruise? romantic qualities because to i have to say when it goes into the romantic scenes with his women colleagues it's for me it's hard to to forget tom cruise and not see like oh tom cruise single and on it he's hitting on shakira let's see who who he's up with next well i i can see your point but i thought him and the previous who was the main girl again Haley atwell Haley atwell i thought they had loads of chemistry and it worked really well so I know what you mean about that. You can't quite forget it's Tom, but I thought you could a bit this time because they seem to bounce off each other really nicely. 
They seem to have a good time, definitely, and it's definitely a lot of humor and, and, and a, fun. And they're both very good looking. You know, they look good together. She was stunning, actually, in some of the yeah. shots. I did think it was a bit odd. There was one scene because she was basically a thief and a pickpocket. That was her thing. An international con woman, I guess you would say. But then all of a sudden, about 75% into the movie, she becomes a crack fighter for all of them. Like, for some reason, she knows how to beat the shit out of all these really big guys. Like which I thought, why did they do that? You know what I mean? Like, because she, her strength was that she wasn't a brute as such. So the other woman, Paris, was a killing machine. That's minor quibbles, though. I think a lot of that stuff is because of cutting down length and a bit of logic gets lost. And It definitely has that movie feeling where you feel like the characters are always as strong as they are needed to be for the specific scene. You know, one time Paris is like super strong, but then Tom Cruise overmans her so that she feels guilt towards him. Little spoiler. So it definitely has a lot of that and kind of by the AI controlled main baddie. Uh, Issa Morales is the actor's name and his character name is Gabriel. He also feels a little bit like shoehorned in and um, mm. suddenly has that past with Tom Cruise that never appeared in any of the other movies. Yeah, there are definitely some things where they are writing the movie so that it fits perfectly <laughs> to the outcome. But that's just easy forgivable if you're having such a good time. So how many Sterner would you give this one? I'd give it four and a half. I'll give it four and a half as well. It's uh, almost perfect entertainment, I would say. There was a moment when I stepped out of the theatre and I thought, why isn't my life as exciting as that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I went to Aldi and bought a shower organiser. <laughs> when I see Tom Cruise uh, in the action scenes, I'm like, that's just like Geraldo standing up from the couch going to fry his I fish. I thought you were going to say because I'm old and slightly saggy and in the right light, <laughs> which is true. Because <laughs> Tom did look a bit saggy, I thought, when the light wasn't quite right. But <laughs> you know what? It, I'm happy because at least something that makes him a little bit human and and you almost feel like he's a bit older now and sometimes he is a bit like not so fast in the dialogue scenes. But uh, I, I, I kind of like that. It's like, please don't be too perfect because then it's just not the same. Okay, well, look, I'm going to have to head off now because I've got to go and put the shower, the bathroom or the shower organiser on the bathroom door and arrange my shampoo and shaving cream. I know, it's pretty exciting. Exciting times. <laughs> so we should take care, Gregor, and we'll chat soon. Let's chat soon. Arrivederci.